The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back, my friends. And thanks for joining us again as we take a few minutes out of our day in God's Word. And we're glad you're with us, and we hope the next few minutes will be a help and encouragement during your day. Uh, we are in the book of Philippians. We've been there for a few days now. And uh, we are currently, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 here in just a moment. As we really look at this perspective, the perspective we've been looking at, uh, kind of the overall in the first uh, first half of chapter 1, uh, well, we, let's go back a second. We remind, uh, we, uh, we remind you that the, the overall arcing theme that most people believe is in the book of Philippians is joy. And you can find other people who pull some things and add to that. But generally, most would agree the over, overreaching theme of the book of Philippians is joy. And then we would say it's joy over. We've been talking about joy over circumstances. How can we find joy? Remind you, this is not circumstantial happiness. This is not everything's going my way. You can be in the midst of a of a crisis, of a struggle, of things that just make no sense and still be having joy. You can enjoy that. So you can, that can be part of your life. So that's the question. The question is, are we enjoying joy over circumstances? Joy is confidence in God, that he is in control, that my circumstances are not a surprise to him, and that he has a plan in and through those circumstances. So as we look at Scripture today, I want us to have that premise because we're going to ask this question. When we talk about this joy over circumstances, an important question. What are, what are some of the tools necessary to be able to have this joy? We've talked about some of those in previous episodes, but today one of the answers to that is simply this. We need to have a proper perspective we need to be able to see things as they are or as what God is doing through them. You see, here's how we can do. We can often look at these perspectives from, well, I will have joy when everything goes my way. Well, then we'll rarely have joy because things rarely always go our way. That doesn't necessarily mean they're wrong because my way is not always good or my way is not always right. It's God knows the best. Um, we need, and we talked about previously that God is working through our circumstances and if I can see that, then I'm okay. If my entire premise of happiness, joy, things like that are everything's working out the way I want them to, then I will rarely find joy. Uh, we, by nature, first of all, are selfish beings. And because of that, um, things should not always turn out our way. Because if they are, that means they're probably not turning out great for someone else. Um, we're by just by nature a selfish being. So, but more than that, if we really want God to have His way in our lives and produce what he wants to produce, we need to have a perspective that says, what pleases God? And that means if going through this circumstance is pleasing God, then okay, I'm fine with that. If you have the right focus, the right perspective, uh, then you'll be able to do that. We're going to read these verses today, and it gives you an understanding and seeing Paul's perspective. Verse 15, chapter 1, verse 15. The Bible says, some indeed, now he was just referencing that his, his uh, imprisonment had given confidence to other people to preach the word of God without fear. He continues and said, some of these people preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some um, also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. 
and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So uh, let's just start right there and say, we might get beyond this, we might not, but let's start right there. He goes, some, he goes there's really, uh, in this group of people who are, are preaching, they've been emboldened by my, by my bonds and, and, and they've been preaching, there's really two different groups of them. Some of them preach Christ. They say, of envy and strife, later of contention. Um, their goal is sometimes, they're, they're, the, the, some of the ideas, it's not really about preaching Christ, it's about getting prominence. They, they recognize the prominence, the position of Paul. They recognize that Paul is loved. And so it's not that they're preaching that Christ is contentious. They're preaching contention. What they want is they want power. They want authority. And they've recognized that Paul, through preaching Christ, has been able to get that in the minds of people. So they're really striving to get power for themselves. And so what they do with that is they say, I want to gain this power, so I'm going to begin to preach Christ. I'm preaching Christ for the purpose of gaining personal influence and personal recognition. Uh, that's not that's not all abnormal. There's still a lot of that today. There's a lot of people who do this uh, that are extremely wealthy, and that's the reason they do it. They do it for wealth. They do it for influence. You can usually see that when they refuse to really preach the Bible in context. They will not preach the whole counsel of God, and they will use the social gospel to overwhelm the true gospel. Uh, they're very great speakers, things of that nature, but they ignore scripture and a lot of major attributes. And they're doing it for influence. They're doing it to please people because there's parts of scripture that are just counterculture and the world's not going to like it. Uh, so uh, there's a wrong motive there. So he says some of them are doing it to gain themselves. He goes, some preach Christ of envy and strife, some also of goodwill. Some preach Christ in contention, supposing to add afflictions to my bond, but others of love knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. He said, there's another group that is just preaching Christ as it is, knowing that, that this is good. Hey, they're preaching Christ for the purpose of sharing Christ. And then here's what he says. What then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Here's what he sees. He says, some of them are preaching it for personal gain. Some of them are preaching it to get the gospel out. And what I'm seeing here is I still rejoice. Because in spite of the motive of the preacher, God can somehow use that truth to get the gospel out. So I rejoice. I rejoice that even, even with that motive of their preaching it, God can work beyond the futile, failed, even sinful motives of the preacher, and he can get the gospel out. Literally, people who are preaching wrong, if they use the Bible somehow, God can still use it to reach some people. They people have to get beyond the lies and emptiness of what's being preached. But if the Bible... See, remember this. As preachers, we hold on to a very um, set fundamental truth that we use. I use it in my preaching. It's one of the reasons I like to use as much scripture, go through the Bible verse by verse. God has never promised that our preaching will not return void. Uh, on many occasions, our preaching is... Outside of God's power, His Holy Spirit, and the Word of God, our preaching is empty. Uh, in fact, God calls it the foolishness of preaching that confounds the wise. He said it's, it's, it's his word that does not return void. It is the word of God that doesn't. So if we get up, and that's why I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of somebody gets half a thought and then just runs on a rabbit trail and doesn't actually teach the word of God. Now, sometimes you can grab one thought and it's so deep, it takes an entire message to develop it. I believe that to be true as well. Uh, but uh, the key is this, if we're teaching the word of God, then we can be guaranteed from God's promise that what we're teaching won't return void. It can be used of God, even if somebody's using it for the wrong motive. Now, here's the key. We, we see Paul's premise in that, but really what we're looking at is that's Paul's perspective. I can get angry. These people are doing it for their own gain because I'm in prison and there's limited influence. Paul's saying, I'm not worried about that because none of this is about me. It's all about God. 
And if God can use this, then I rejoice. Because even in, these, in the ignorance of this, some people are going to get saved. He says in 19, why? how can he have this? Verse 19, for I know that this, my bonds and these preachers, somehow shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ. Your prayer for me will somehow turn from my good. According, verse 20, to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. He simply makes a point, he says in all of this, uh, really the battle you could see in here is in his circumstance, he's watching some great preachers and some bad preachers. And he said that could anger him. And you know, this is a man who's gone, he's confronted other people in these similar spots. He's, he's approached him, he says, you know, he, he is for the true purity of scripture and the teaching of the Word of God. So he's sitting there and there's nothing he can do. Writing a letter won't do anything. He's, he probably maybe even recognizes some people are gonna be swayed by these false teachers or these um, self-serving preachers. He says, one, your prayers for me will work to my salvation, whether that means I'm freed from prison or whatever, God's still gonna use that for my benefit and I appreciate that. He goes, but my ultimate goal is that I would never be shamed. He says, if I got angry at God for what's going on, that would be shameful. If I complained about the bonds God put me in, that would be embarrassing. That would prove to a world that I'm not really submissive to what God is doing. His premise, his entire perspective is that everything happened would glorify God. He said, I wanna glorify God, number one, and I want the gospel to go forth. And even in my bonds, even in the, in the circumstance I'm in and what I'm hearing, he's like, God can still use this to spread the gospel. So if me sitting here in, in prison, just writing the Bible, writing to these churches, if God uses that to spread the gospel, then I am okay. I don't wanna, I don't wanna shame him. I wanna stay here and I will make sure that everything I do, even if I never get out of here and I die, God will be magnified in my life and my body. And that perspective comes because, well, he created me, he saved me, he called me. These are the things that led Paul. Now, not everybody's a preacher. So how do we lean in that, pull from that same perspective? And it's simple. If you truly want God to do what he wants in your life, then what you do is you begin to recognize that he does have a plan. And even when the circumstances don't always work out for what for me seems to be the best for me, God can use it. And I can find joy in that. I can find joy because it's not about me. See, if it's about me, it's about getting what I want. It's about having all the best of the world and me just being comfortable. Uh, first of all, you never will because you always want more. But you're going to be limited uh, because you've missed the point and you will never find joy over circumstance. You will find temporary circumstantial happiness, but not joy over circumstances. And when you see God work, if you just put your trust in Him and submit to Him and say, I don't get it, but somehow you work this and when it's all done, no matter if it turns out great or I, it doesn't turn out the way I want, if you're glorified in this, and I'm okay with that, that's the proper perspective. If everything has to be my way, I will, ne I will never really find joy. If everything is submissive to God, I can trust God. And in that, I can find joy. That's how James says, count all joy when you fall into divers or numerous temptations. Knowing this, the trying of your faith works or develops patience and maturity. That's what he's talking about. This is how we can find joy. It's the right perspective. It's a selfless, Christ-honoring perspective. It's not easy, but it's one that is we That's why Paul said earlier, I want you to grow, to prove the things that are excellent. You, if you're not growing in Christ, you'll not be able to have this proper perspective. Well, I hope that these times together help us to have that perspective, help us to, to see Christ and see where he is and what he's doing, or at least know he's doing something. And in that, place our confidence in him. Thanks again for giving me the opportunity to be part of your day. I hope it's a help. 
hope it's an encouragement, and I just appreciate the chance to be able to teach the Word of God, and I hope it's an encouragement throughout your day today. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.